Hey guys, welcome to the Celtics Pulse podcast. I'm Adam at Celtics Pulse. I'm Brendan at NBA Distributor. I am Cody at the Cover 3. And what we're doing today, guys, is we're going to be ranking the East. So we'll let Brendan kick it off here. All right, so the top of the East, I think you have to give it to Boston, obviously. I mean, I know we're a Celtics podcast. You're going to be a little biased here. But after what we did to Cleveland, who is multiple defending champions of the East, and LeBron being gone, I mean, we're debatably the most complete team in the league. So the Celtics are clearly at the top there, but it starts to get really interesting after that. Um, does Do either of you disagree that the Celtics are number one? No, no I Celtics don't. Yeah, one, Celtics, yeah, Celtics easy number one. If you look at, like you said, look, we did it in the East last year where we were basically five minutes away from making the finals. We did that without yeah. Kyrie Irving. We did that without Gordon Hayward. And Gordon Hayward's coming off a top 20 player year. He was snubbed, really, in the all-NBA race. Honestly, like he could have been easily all NBA third teamer coming out of Utah when he first, you know, when he first signed him. So we have quality, quality. I think we have at least three top twenty-five players, um, and Gordon, Al, and Kyrie on top of the growth that we are expecting from Jason Tatum. The leap that I was very surprised with Jalen uh, Brown last year. I thought he, like, what he was doing this last year was what this year was going to be for him. But now we can expect even more for that. On top of Terry Rozier, who really showed out, you have Marcus Smart, Baines, and Dice. I think are going to be two key big men off the bench. Uh, on top of Robert, we don't even have to play Robert Williams all year, and you know the talent he has. So we're stacked, beginning the to top. Our G League team is probably going to be the best in the league. That's how good <laughs> we are. So who are you guys taking at second? I mean, we're either going to be leaning Toronto or Philly. Yeah, I think those are the two that, that could take that spot, and maybe you have a couple other sleepers that could fit in there, but I would give it to Toronto. Uh, it does kind of depend on how Kawhi looks, but I mean, if you're just talking regular season standings, they were first last year, and you can't deny that Kawhi is an upgrade over DeRozan, and uh, their defense is going to be on a whole nother level. Like They're going to be able to switch everything, and hopefully they don't disappear in playoffs again. I mean, maybe hopefully they do. I do want the Celtics to go to the finals, obviously, but... Like a good competition. I think Toronto has the talent to be the two. Yeah, I agree. And not only with their defense, you have to give it to their bench, too. You have um, OJ Anubi, who, de- depending on what they want to do with him or Danny Green, one of those two guys are going to be on the bench. So you have Danny Green yeah. on the bench or OJ Anubi, which is probably going to be OG. And those are two great pieces off a of bench. Fred Van Fleet was arguably a six-man-of-the-year uh, contender last year. And then you have... Other pieces like uh, Pascal Siakam, who's a good uh, player off the bench. Yeah, they DeLone have Wright. Good, yep, DeLone Wright as well. Um, trying to think of their starting lineup right now. Um, but they yeah, have I some really, really good bench pieces, oh. yeah. You say yeah, that, like you're saying. Do you say their bench is more stacked than Boston's? I don't think I would say they're more stacked. I feel like... They just have a stacked bench. If you look at Boston's bench, you have Smart, Rozier, Tice, um, Morris, um, what's his face, Baines against Van Fleet. I feel like they're they're pretty evenly matched, but I feel like I give the slight edge to Boston because I feel like you can do a lot more with our bench where everyone else has like a distinct role where our bench players can play sort of multiple roles. Yeah, and they can yeah, defend I, multiple roles as well, which is a big help. 
Yeah. yeah I, I think our staggering does a lot for us, too, since our starting lineup is so much better than theirs. Like, don't get me wrong, they have a great starting lineup, but it's like you said, we have three players. Uh, or, say, Jason Tatum running the second unit, then it's a completely different team. And they don't quite right. have that. You know, you keep Lowry or Kawhi, but those are just the main two. Um, like, you know, Van Fleet can run an offense pretty well, but it's not going to be the same level as if we're keeping Gordon Hayward out there. Yeah, yeah, if you really look at it, last year, we, we basically have, if you think about it, if you put, took all our players and sort of like fantasy draft it, whatever, you could potentially have nine starters on our team that are all on one team. Morris could start for multiple teams in the league. Baines proved they could be a reliable starting center. You have Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier, who are, Rozier's probably, I don't want to say it, but he'll probably be gone next year because he's going to get money from somebody to oh, be yeah. their starting guy. So we have... Basically, two full units. That one unit's the best team in the league. The second unit's like a like a borderline 40-win team in the NBA if you just play our bench, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, dude, what yeah. do you think we'd rate if, it, if, if our bench was to start, say our <laughs> bench was playing? So, um, like, if our off-starters, like, decided to go to Mars and we only had our bench left, <laughs> yeah, dude. I've, I, we could kind of, we could push for an eighth seed in the, I see that as, like, a, Cavaliers team this year, where yeah, they're they're exactly. gonna do a lot more damage, but they have that one star piece where we have just consistency. If you had if you roll out Rogier, Smart, Semi on uh, Semi D on the bench now, if the benches are starters, Morris being the starting uh, three, Baines and Tice, Tice Williams, Tice yeah, and then Williams off the bench. That's a pretty good team, Jabari Bird. That's a pretty yeah, like, decent team. It could maybe sneak into an eight seed in the East. Yeah, especially with Brad if he's still coaching. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. If Brad's still coaching, that team's probably going to be a 50-win team. Yeah, are you kidding me? We get the first <laughs> seed if Brad's coaching. Yeah. So I feel like, Adam, where do you think the Raptors are? Do you think you, Would you pick the Raptors over Philadelphia? Yeah, um, I want, it depends on how Kawhi's playing. If he comes back pre-injury, then definitely they're going to be number two. I mean, Philly haven't really done much to improve this year either. Uh, they've had mm-hmm. a few pickups, but nothing like to really deepen that roster. So yeah, I'm go- I- I'm leaning Toronto as the second seed. Okay. Yeah, Philly's my team that I could see fluctuating a lot. Um, they could move to that second seed, and I could even see them falling to say four or five. I know it's a big stretch, but you know if Simmons doesn't develop much more, like say a jump shot or things like this, it maybe teams start to figure him out. A little bit, uh, and obviously they have talent with Embiid and stuff like that. But the big uh, question mark that's going to change a lot is Fultz for me. If he comes in as promised and is even a sliver of what he was projected to be, then they're going to be a really good team with another option like that. And obviously, of course, as expected, their first round pick is going to be out for their first year, so that doesn't help. But I, they could fluctuate a lot there. The problem with Philly is. They're constantly surrounded by injury uncertainty. You've got Simmons, you've got Embiid. Both of these guys have missed significant time in the last two years, 18 months. If one of them goes down again, then they will be looking at sliding down into the 4th or 5th. Yeah, on top of that, you have to also have to play Toronto and the Celtics six times a year, every year. So... That I That's why we'll, we'll get down later. That's why I have Philadelphia a little bit lower, just because they have to play the two best teams in the East. It's crazy because the three best teams talent-wise are all in the same division. 
within the conference, which is kind of crazy. Okay, yeah, the Celtics, Celtics conference is busted. It, the amount of stars in that conference is insane. Right, yeah. So who are we taking third? I mean, I guess Philly. I, I, that's, yeah, if I have to realistically place them, they'd be my third team. Cody? I am taking Milwaukee just for the fact, like I said, Philadelphia has to play us. Philadelphia has to play us on Toronto a few times a year. And last year was kind of weird because the first, the top three seeds were all in the same uh, conference, the Atlanta uh, division, the Atlantic division with uh, Toronto, us, then Philadelphia at three. But if I like the addition of Mike Budenholzer, I really, really do. Yeah. I feel like a good coach. Uh, a good coach with that Milwaukee team because they won forty four. They went forty four and thirty eight last year. They really, you know, everyone thought Giannis is going to win MVP. Uh, they'll be insane this year. You know, Giannis is just about to take over the league. Yada 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 yada. And it, nothing really happened. You had kid for half a year, and then you had that substitute teacher guy that did the rest of the year. And <laughs> now you have an actual bona fide, pretty good head coach in Budenholzer running this team, I just think and like I and like I said, other than the Pacers and maybe the Cavs, you have to you get to play Chicago and Detroit, who I don't know is gonna be as good as people think they're gonna be, but I think I feel like they'll make the playoffs, but yes, yeah, okay, I'm taking that. Milwaukee. I mean I'm taking what, what do you see Henson's role being now Lopez has been bought in. Do you see Henson coming more off uh, the bench? I don't think Henson really fits that well on that team, it, even he's in the first place. Cut. He's going to yeah. get cut, depending on how it works with the cap. Because he has, what, 13 bills for a year? He's had a pretty decent contract, four years, 50-something mil, I think. But, yeah, uh, too much. Do you see, like, I was reading an article today, and um, it was saying like he's basically a poor man's Noel. And if, if you're a poor man's Noel, then you've got to be fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't mind. See, I don't want, want them to really do either. I think they should just fully go with what's his face, Maker, because yes, Maker's going to make his mistakes. He's either, depending on reports, he's either like twenty or twenty-six. I have no idea how actually old this guy is. So, and you saw last year in the playoffs against the Celtics, he has the potential to be something really special, especially how big he is. And how well he can block shots. Not a great defender, but a good bl- shot blocker. Which I always emphasize is different. Being a good shot blocker doesn't mean you're a good defender. But yeah. he's very athletic for his size. And he can step out in range. And especially with Giannis, who's not really that good at shooting. Having a John Henson right there, that's just bogging the offense down. And as good as, quote-unquote, good a shooter at Brooke Lopez is. I really don't like Brooke Lopez. The way the NBA is heading, you see people like Jaleel Okafor, who was a third overall pick, looked like all the star potential of the world, but just because what how they played based basketball in this era, they got phased out. And I feel like, you know, yes, Lopez has that shot, but he's not a good defender. He really isn't. He's not even a good rebounder for his size. He's not mobile. And he's not mobile, exactly. And I feel like that's going to bog down the offense, too, or he's just going to stay in the corner, which what is he really doing? He's not giving you anything on offense and not much on defense and not anything on the boards. What really is he? 
And yes, he's well, only getting a few million dollars, but yeah, I think they should fully go big. Yeah, I agree with that. But like you said, I mean, I think they'd be insane to not take Lopez for the deal that they got him on, just so they actually have some a big that can stretch the floor. I know Maker, I guess, kind of can do that. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, they are the only team I debate putting above the Sixers because of, uh, like you're saying, Budenholzer, but it's not even just him. They have great coaching, but they have the talent that can back it up also. Like you said, Giannis is debatably an MVP next year, and very much rightfully so, and they have good shooting around him. They have a good 3-and-D guy in Tony Snell. They have Chris Middleton going. Like, they could use a bit more shooting there, but they have they have the potential, and they have a ridiculous amount of length, and I know Budenholzer has been raving about that, saying that he wants to untap their defensive potential. So I think you're right. I think Maker will see more minutes, and uh, the Bucks are I, – I could put them at three, so I get where you're going with that. Yeah, and low-key, Chris Middleton is a great defender, and I think he scored 20 points a game last year. Chris Middleton is a real good, good player. So, And I really like Middleton, and being that second option to Giannis, I think that's really good for the team. And I, I agree with you. I think getting Lopez isn't bad for the team. I just want to know how they're going to use him. If they bring him off the bench and they use him in sort of to shift the tempo and like either slow it down, I think that would be really, really cool because obviously Giannis wants to run, 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 jump, and run some more. Yeah. And that's the tempo you want to play. But sometimes even in the game, you want to slow it down, especially in the playoffs. You want to take longer possessions and know you're going to get two instead of running around and shoot 68 footers. You know, And I feel like Lopez is good enough and old enough to bring off the bench, sort of like how we brought Greg Monroe off the bench. We didn't use him all the time. We used him in certain matchups, and we used him to sort of slow the game down and use his back-to-the-basket move, you know? I think losing Jabari Barker was a, a bit and of they a can, They actually have a coach that will do that now instead of just throwing them out there and trying lineups just whenever. Uh, yeah. Situational and things like that. Yeah, and like Adam just said, Jabari Parker, losing Jabari Parker, that's a big hit, especially offensively. And how are you really going? I feel like they're going to be one of those grit and grind teams this year. They're going to be a Memphis-style team where they're going to try to hold you under 100 points, then outscore you and get 121st. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So what about, so we've got... Let's round this up first. So we've done Boston first. We all agreed on Toronto second. Then we've got mm-hmm. an interchangeable part at three and four of Philly and the Bucks. Yeah, I have Philadelphia at four. Yeah, so you guys probably have the Bucks at four. So that's that yeah. Happens. Yeah, I had the Bucks at four. So that leads to number then, five. I think the only team that fits left in this top five is the Pacers. Um, the Pacers look. Great last year, obviously, take seven like we did. But uh, Oladipo has came into his own expected. Sabonis is no joke. They got a nice draft pick and a holiday brother um, and some nice pickups this offseason, too, with I think Doug McDermott's going to do nice for their spacing, which was already one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Tyreek Evans is a six-man-of-the-year type guy. Uh, the Pacers have a lot going on for them that happened a lot quicker than I think most people expected it to. Yeah, that Evans pickup was proper underrated, man. Yeah, I agree. I think that Evans' pickup was the best pickup of the year. Because if you really look at the Cavs, when they were playing the Cavs, when their starters were in, they that was when they were winning the game. If you look at their bench, they had no one that could run the offense off the bench. So they'd have to have Collison and Oladipo in the game at all times. 
which you can do that, but then even on your starting uh, lineup, you're sort of missing that little firepower. Tyreek Evans coming off the bench, that's going to be huge for the Pacers, and I have the Pacers at five as well. And especially, like you said, McDermott, space on the floor. Uh, Sabonis has another year. Thaddeus Young's a veteran. You have, uh, what's his face, Miles Turner, who I feel like is going to have a breakout year, and hopefully he doesn't come into that. I call them the Ryan Tannehill players, where every year you think that's going to be their year, but they never do it. So I hopefully he doesn't yeah. fall to that Ryan Tannehill category, where every year, oh, he's, that's the one he's going to get 20 and 12. This is the one he's going to get 20 and 12, but he always stays at that 17 and 8 range. But Yeah, I feel Tyreek, like this is the year he has to do it. This is a yeah, contract really year for him, too. Now, I remember when he was in the draft, I wanted the Celtics to get him so bad, but <laughs> we only had 16, and they had uh, he got him at 11. But, yeah, this team is pretty – and, like, defensively, with Miles Turner being a really good shot blocker, Oladipo being one of the best perimeter defenders in leading the league in steals last year. And now Tyreek Evans isn't bad. He's a big body, and he's athletic enough. So that's at least below average, not terrible defense, at least. Uh-huh. And so they – and Thaddeus Young can switch around multiple positions as well. So I feel – I like, really like this team. And don't forget Bogdanovich is a nice – spot-up shooter, and has length yeah. to him. Yeah. They're just a little small, yeah. and rebounding is the one thing I, I sort of fear with this team. Same thing I fear for the Celtics and have feared for the Celtics is rebounding. As yeah, we see in the last... like rebound by committee. That's, that's the term that got used last year and the, and the, previous, the year before that. We rebound yeah. by committee. And, and that's yeah, good, and, but you do want that guy that can just, just lives to grab boards, man. Yeah, because if you really look at the last last two playoff series for the Celtics, Tristan Thompson had our, had his way. Like, Tristan oh, man, Thompson single-handedly <laughs> would destroy the Celtics. Because he'd get 45 rebounds because Al Horford used to get soft as baby shit when it's coming to getting rebounds. And I love Al, but he doesn't get rebounds. But anyway, I feel like that's sort of that mold that the Pacers want to try to avoid. And that's something that I can see them going into. Because Miles Turner is big. But only gets about eight boards a game. You have Sabonis, who is away from the basket a lot. It isn't really thick like that. And thank God we got Baines, or it wouldn't have. We wouldn't. The Celtics wouldn't have a prom, prominent rebounding threat. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that also you have so much length on the Celtics. Also, is that Tatum grabs a good, a decent amount of rebounds a game. You know, if people are grabbing for a game. It adds up after a amount of players like Terry Rozier is a great rebounder for his size smart is always going to be going after it like you're saying but the year before uh last we were I want to say the worst rebounding team in the league yeah we were all right how about this we'll have five five of the Pacers we have Celtics Raptors Bucks and Sixers Bucks and Sixers and then Pacers for one through five now we're going number six I have the Washington Wizards. and I was a big Wizards guy last year. I thought they were going to take the three seed behind us in Cleveland. Yada, yada. At least going into last year, I thought that that's how it was going to work out. And I thought, I was determined. And I said, hey, put my fist down. John Wall's a better player than Kyrie Irving. And I was wholehearted with that. After this year, oh, God, no. And John Wall's <laughs> a great player. John Wall is a top 20 player, in my opinion. He went from, like, my... 12th best player, I thought, in the league to, like, 18. And last year, you know, only he his struggles are very well documented as he's not a great shooter. 
And defensively, I feel like he's a little bit overrated now. After watching last year, defensively, he gets the steals, but like I say, if you're a good shot blocker, it doesn't make you a great defender. If you're, you get a lot of steals, it doesn't make you a good defender. You can be a good defender and get steals, but you can get steals and not be a good defender. And I feel like that's sort of where John Wall is just uber-athletic and can do stuff like that. Passing, he's like probably the second, second or third best player behind Chris Paul and Rondo. He's a very, very good distributor of the ball. You have Bradley Beal on that team. But I feel like losing Marcin Gortat is going to be pretty big for this team because he was sort of that uh, community rallying point where you know you have those players like Baines. Everyone loved when Baines did something. When Baines did something, he dunked the ball or blocked a shot. Everyone in the room was getting up and throwing their beer around and yelling, Go Baines! I feel like Gortat was that for that city. And now you have Dwight Howard, who's a borderline cancer for a locker room that's been very well documented since he left Orlando and even when he was in Orlando. So I feel like this team has Jets potential as in they have good pieces but they're going to implode sometime. But I, I get where Brandon was saying how Gortat was sort of that cancer in the locker room that Dwight Howard would be. And I feel like I really haven't, I mean obviously I don't follow the Wizards. I know where the Wizards are in the standings as I'm a follower of the NBA as well. But I feel like that's more of that John Wall sort of, yeah. Gortat was sort of challenging John Wall, which made everything else happen, or challenging Bradley Beal, which made everything else happen. But you might know more about this on than I right. do. Uh, yeah, so uh, like, but, I'm going to be watching the Wizards this year, like, um, they're playing while I'm out in LA, so I'll be going to watch them. Uh, I was kind of bummed about it, dude, like, I was like, oh man, it's the Clips versus the Wizards, it's not a great game. But then I was looking and I was like, well, they've still got Wall, they've still got Beal, they've still got Howard, uh, the bench isn't terrible. It's they're probably gonna win when they play the Clippers. Um, I think a six seed is gonna be a good position for them. I mean, I think that's where they need to be looking to aim for. Yeah, and the addition of Austin Rivers and Jeff Green. I feel like Jeff Green might have got some shit last year, but we saw him with the Celtics. He's a very capable player. I feel like Jeff Green is the most average player in the league, where he can do a little bit of everything, but it doesn't, doesn't excel on anything, but it's sucking everything, and he's a veteran presence now in a locker room that seems to have be one of the more dysfunctional in the NBA over the last few years. Bradley Beal's a bona fide star in the league, can get you 25 easily. Um, do you, think, you the, also do have, you think the Wizards are at a point where it's like, right, we're, we're not going to win anytime soon. Um, a deep run in the playoffs is like a, a best-case scenario at a push. They need to start looking at blowing it up soon. Yeah, I can see that. I have to, uh, I mean, John Wall and Bradley Beal are both top 30, 35 players in the league, depending on how you look at Bradley Beal. I think he's a, probably a top 30 player in the league. Um, and they're both relatively young. If you think about it, most of these players are coming out of the league at 18. So by the time they get to this point in their career, they've already been playing. John Wall, I'm just going to do a quick little Google search on John Wall's age. Um, I want to say he's like only 27. Yeah, and, that and that's sense. yeah, and that's you can play in the NBA to your 35 and still be pretty effective. As you see, you know, obviously not everyone's going to be that effective 35, but yeah, he's 27 years old. Bradley Beal's probably 25 now, and those are two star players playing at only um, playing under 30 years old. 
Yeah, yeah. And you still and you still have good control of them. And John was hurt a lot last year. He missed that huge chunk, which probably brought his numbers down and his effectiveness down. And that's when Bradley Beal sort of shot up with the stats and whatever. And you also do have Dwight Howard, who as much as shit Dwight Howard gets, I love Dwight Howard. He was my favorite player for the longest time. And yeah, he's I'm still excited to productive. see him. I'm excited to see yeah, Howard he, play. If John, if uh, Dwight Howard gets 12 and 12 and blocks two shots a game, I think that's a pretty good, solid piece, which is what he is in his career, a solid piece. Yeah, for sure. So who goes at seven? I have at seven the Pistons. And so here's do I. why I have the, yeah, and here's why, wow, Brendan, how about you stop cheating off my list? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I have the Pistons lower than, because they have the talent to be probably a five or, or the six seed in the league. You have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Stanley Johnson, who I really like and think he's going to have uh, a better year than he has his first two. You have pieces. Dwayne Casey is a great coach. Don't get me wrong. But what was the Raptors' problem the last uh, the last three years? This year was the one year that Raptors the Raptors were in the top uh, top ten in passing stats, as in assists, uh, uh, touches per possession. Passing the ball around. And in the beginning of the year, Dwayne Casey said, hey, Nick Nurse is going to really run the offense, basically. So Dwayne Casey didn't let everyone pass the ball around. Nick Nurse had everyone pass the ball around, who's the head coach of the Raptors now. And you put Dwayne Casey, who basically let DeMar Rosen and Kyle Lowry take turns going ISO every game. (laughs) And you put that guy with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, it's going to be a worse offense than what we saw the first of the last three years, the, first, the last two of the Raptors. Because Blake Griffin could be like, all right, I'm going to take up a shot. And Andre Drummond would be like, all right, I'm just going to post up all the time. And those are, two, those are the two biggest gripes about those players the last five years in the league. Andre Drummond takes too many post shots. He should just be picking and rolling. Blake Griffin takes too many stupid pull-up shots. Just dunk on people. And this year, I feel like it's very intriguing because both of them average pretty good assist numbers. So, I'm really curious to see how Dwayne Casey uses these guys. I mean, the one play you yeah. mentioned then was uh, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Reggie Jackson as well. Yeah, I think he's going to help with the offense as well. I mean, I think Casey's a good coach. I can definitely see where you're saying they're coming, coming from, saying they're going to go seventh. Uh, I'll probably disagree a little bit, but I'm kind of just... Picking up straws, yeah. Uh, I'm leaning more towards like um, a shock and seeing the balls pull up at seventh. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I've just got this feeling that they're gonna like overperform for the season. I think Markinen's obviously gonna have a year of growth. When you've got um, who did they draft? I keep forgetting his name. Wendell Carter Jr. He's insane. Yeah, I can see him playing really well. Uh, they've got Levine. They've got. Um, that fucking Chris Dunn, they're gonna be they're gonna be a good team. I mean, they've got a lot of room for growth, and if they if they're coached right and they play well together, then I can see them sneaking the seventh with Detroit at the eighth. Yeah, that's not a that's not a bad take. I feel like they're just a little young right now, and I feel like like they'll lose some games they should win. Oh yeah, for sure. They'll win some games they should lose, but I feel like they're losing the games. I feel like they can shoot themselves out of games. Uh, they can they. If you really look at it, Chris Dunn and Wendell Carter are the only two good defenders on that team. Yeah. And Mark like, is a good offensive threat. I was uh I was 
uh, Bill Simmons had a series of tweets when Jabari Parker got signed. He said, wow, the Bulls are really going to give uh, Russell Westbrook his first 70-point game. And then the next one goes, wow, they're really going to give Jason Tatum his first 50-point game. And then he goes, wow, they're really going to give Andre Roberson his first 20-point game. Which I thought was a pretty funny series of tweets. And that just shows defensively this team's this team is the opposite of what I said the Bucks were going to do. Where they're just going to try to score 130 and hope you don't score that many. Yeah, I mean, they've got the talent to like put numbers up mad. But like you say, they look a bit light as well. Like they could really get bullied. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because, yeah, Brennan, you can go. Never mind. Yeah, so, yeah. You go. I've been talking too much. Your turn. All right. In regards to the Pistons being my pick there, I just think it'd be too disrespectful to put any of these teams like the Bulls above them because, I mean, the talent they have is ridiculous, like you're saying, and they should be higher, but uh, they don't have the shooting necessarily. But no, I I get you. I get you. I, I feel that talent-wise, the Pistons, they're, they should be a playoff team. But even if you look last year, they weren't. They got... Booted by, yeah, they were four games out. They went seven and three in the last ten games, which you can see improvement there. Um, and they played a lot better the second half, I believe, in the first half. They had that the first stretch of ten games where they were like the number one seed, and everyone's like, uh, they're like number one. And then they dropped, 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 and adding Blake Griffin and sort of using Andre Drummond as more of a passer, which I thought was brilliant by Van Gundy. So wait, that wait. was sorry. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. So like that, talent wise, you they could have they should have been in over the Heat, but the Heat came in and were playing pretty well. Went got the sixth seed, seventh seed Milwaukee, eighth seed Wizards, and then the Pistons were out. So I can see where you can say the Pistons should 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 be in the playoffs because of their talent, and I can also see where they you could see where that might be lacking, and that might. Really, um, I'm trying to find the word. Uh, like pull, pull, pull the cover over your eyes and be like, "Hey, we're really talented, but we're still not in the playoffs." So who are we taking at eight? I mean, that's going to be like the the biggest debating point. A few teams can go in there. Adam, who are you taking eight? Me? Uh, fucking hell! Probably I'm going to lean with the. I want to lean with the Knicks, but they're just not going to be good with no KP, so it's going to have to be the Heat. I, I like the Heat. I feel that's a safe bet. I'm going a little out of the blue, and I think the Cavaliers don't make the playoffs. I think the Orlando Magic make the playoffs. Okay. Here's why. I think Orlando Magic are going to be a top five defensive team in the league. Offensively, they're going to be ass. But defensively, you have Jonathan Isaac. You have Aaron Gordon, who proved to be a pretty good uh, defender. You have Mo Bamba down there. So no one's scoring. Um, Fournier is the... uh, I'm actually trying to figure out who their point guard is now. It's not Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton's New Orleans. They've got DJ. They've got DJ Augustine. And they've got Jerry and Grant. Yeah, so point guard's going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, but if you really look at that team, also Jonathan Simmons is a pretty good player. Yeah, uh, I'm Vuce, just gonna... Vucevic isn't terrible either. 
I feel like Vooch is going to get traded. That's just my opinion. But I feel like the way this team... They're stacked in the, in, in the front court, dude. They really are. So that's why I feel like they should try to trade what's-his-face for uh, Vucevic for a decent point guard. Because yeah, no DJ guards uh, either. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they're going to be insane. And I feel like Vucevic doesn't match this super lanky, super switchy, super defensive approach that it looks like the Magic are taking. Yeah, I agree. By yeah, by all that stuff. And Vucevic is a plotting like he, let's basically look Brooke Lopez, but just a better rebounder. <clears throat> I just feel like, like they're too like too too poorly constructed that they are like really heavy on bigs and then like in your front in your backcourt they're they're really, really light. I mean I've just pulled up the roster here. Uh, if we run it through we've got Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, Vukovic, Fournier, Isaac, Jackson, Simmons, Mozgov. Augustine, Briscoe, Martin, Grant, Terence Ross, Birch, and I can't pronounce this dude's name, Artis and Frazier. Like, the majority of them dudes are like three through five. There's not many of them guys that can step down and play at the two, and there's definitely not many of them guys that can play, play at the one. No, you know, I agree. And this is why sort of the Magic are sort of like a sleeper, like, watch-out team, because I feel like they're going to make some noise. And they can make enough noise in a Eastern Conference where, basically, in my opinion, it's between Orlando, uh, potentially the Knicks, uh, definitely Miami, the Miami, Charlotte, and the Magic. I feel like have the best chances, and the Cavs of making that eighth seed. So it's really between those four, and I feel like Orlando, Orlando can sneaky get up. I feel like they've overtaken. I feel like if you look at last year's standings, you had Atlanta or Atlanta at the bottom, Orlando second to last, Chicago and the Nets, and then the Knicks from last uh, in the standings upwards. I feel like Orlando jumps all of those guys. The Knicks, the Nets, the Bulls, the Hawks, at least. And I can see them seeking in the playoffs. And if they get Vucevic for a decent sort of a Darren Collison type player or caliber player, that could really push this offense and this team forward. Yeah, they have some good players like in trade value, uh, some decent <laughs> contracts. I mean, like you say, if they could make one pickup or just a, a couple of little trades that might be able to put them into playoff contention. I just don't see them beating... See, I see it being a, a, a fight for the eighth between uh, the Heat and the Cavs, personally. Yeah, I mean, I sort of... I expect Heaven Love to have a Minnesota type year, yeah. You know what? That's what everyone's saying. And hey, I said it first, so watch out. Um, <laughs> I just really, I like Mo Bamba. I like, I like Mo Bamba. I like Gordon. I like Simmons and I uh, and Isaacs, and they're good. Uh, what's the word? Switchability. And I feel like defensively, this team's gonna make a lot of noise. And hey, defense wins championships. For sure, dude. So that rounds out the. The playoff spots. So yeah, I feel like honorable mentions are the Cavs, obviously, and the Heat for me at least. Um, I could see really Magic kind of like a shot in the dark, but I can see them doing it, and I can also see the Cavaliers and the Heat in that final spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards and the Pistons disappoint like they did last year too. So we could, we we should see. I feel like the after the first five or six. It's wide open in the East. Oh, for sure. For sure. 
So that draws us to a close on the ranking the East. Next week we'll do we'll be ranking the West Coast, and then we'll be drawing close to the preseason. So we'll have more of this Celtics information to be dropping for you. So thanks for listening, guys. You've been listening to the Celtics Pulse podcast. You can catch us on iTunes or on Spotify or on the website pulsesportsmedia.com/celtics-pulse, and we'll catch you next week.